0: Up in a younger day, a stronger day, a summer day, and I thought, what a way to live the day than to watch a film and think about the world. Oh, I didn't know you were there. Hi, Marcus. Hey, do you like movies? Yes, I do. Did you know that we have a podcast about movies? Yeah. Sometimes I forget because it's just so enjoyable to talk about cinema with you, my friend. Same. And I think that's, that's the mark of a good conversation. You forget what's happening. This is Ebers in America, mm-hmm. Cinema Podcast, episode 135. Um, if you're listening presently, you know that we are in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic and if you're listening to the, from the future which i hope you are hello and it's so funny that we're talking about the future and the past because one of the topics of today's podcast marcus is the bill and ted trilogy yes because last weekend if you're listening presently bill and ted 3 also known as bill and ted face the music was released on Video On Demand, and I think Drive-Ins. Yep. Drive-Ins are very popular right now. There's, like, another movie that came out on Drive-Ins, New Mutants, which apparently was not very good, but I I haven't seen it.
1: God, every time that trailer comes on, I tell my wife, I'm like, it's so weird. I feel like this movie came out, like, years ago. It's just one of those movies.
0: Well, it was made a while ago. Yeah. And then, and then... Disney buying Fox slowed everything down so it's kind of a sad goodbye to the old X-Men film universe and with the X-Men and the Fantastic Four universe coming back to the Marvel Cinematic Universe I'm way more excited about the Fantastic Four universe coming to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, because sure. if you think the space shit of the last couple movies was cool, all the stuff that's explicitly Fantastic Four is so cool and so awesome for uh, for this for for cinema, you know. Yeah. Doing Galactus justice, or uh, actually a really good silver surfer movie because silver surfer is a tragic story
1: man my, my buddy doug this is other doug is he says he like says what you're saying exactly he's so fascinated by and so caught up in like silver surfer being represented correctly in the marvel universe he obviously hated the lawrence fishburne voiced uh silver surfer in the previous you know fantastic four movies but um yeah, I, I've, Ooh, yeah. I've heard this I've, basically what i'm saying i've, I've heard this a lot
0: so the the initial st- Spike Spikely what Spikely didn't create Marvel Comics and it's also controversial whether Stanley actually did there's there's some murky stuff going on there Uh-oh. but Stanley and and um Kirby mm-hmm. who I think is one of the finest comic book artists of all time definitely the most unique and someone that people try to copy and his style is just I just can look at it for for days I, I love it yeah. and yeah him him and Moebius are two of my favorite unique comic book illustrators and I know that that's like pretty like popular to say if you to like those two guys but mm-hmm. I was recently rereading a comic book called Silver Surfer Parable, which Stan, Stan Lee did with Moebius, who, who is best known, I think, for drawing the Inkel with Hodorowsky. Oh, that's one Oh, sure. Yeah, one of the greatest comic books of all time, a huge inspiration for the movie Fifth Element, and if you haven't read it, I recommend it to you. It's like a movie, it's so frickin' good. And what's truly amazing about Hodorowsky is that you think he's a brilliant filmmaker, he's also like a brilliant writer of magic and also does like tarot and is a really good comic book writer. It's yeah. kind of incredible. There are people that are like Hodorowsky, the brilliant comic book writer is a director, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. and I know I'm veering way off point but the first run of Fantastic Four by Kirby and Stanley introduces us to some of the most interesting comic book heroes villains and concepts that very few runs have done and the fact that mm-hmm we can access a lot of that because some of it it was murky whether it was Fantastic Four or if it was Avengers so the fact that that a lot of these things can be accessed is very exciting also assuming Mm -hmm. that the Marvel Cinematic Universe actually tries to be weird again because I think a lot of their movies are fairly safe
1: yeah yeah,
0: yeah and Silver Surfer is a tragic character so with the right with the right writing and the right direction and the idea that I think they were trying to do with the first Thor movie when they had Kenneth Branagh who's mostly known for Shakespeare and stuff like that right direct to do something like that but actually let the director really sink their teeth into it Mm -hmm. and also I don't know how they would do the CGI but CGI now is much better than it was yeah exactly so it's really hard and that's why comic books are so awesome because you don't need a big budget to do some crazy zany stuff but yeah anyways in the late 80s there was a movie called Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure starring Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter about these two very mm-hmm. nice probably stoners it's not really said but stoner guys who need to pass a history exam if they want to you know graduate yeah and if they if they don't graduate one of them will go to military school or something so and you find out then but uh, a time traveler played by George Carlin rest in peace is like yo you can't go to military school because you guys are going to create a song that changes the world yeah so then they go back in time and just start grabbing all these famous people right so they can use them for their history report and if you think that this plot is far fetched it is, yeah. but it's a really fun movie. Um, did you enjoy the first Bill and Ted? Of course, absolutely. Could you imagine if you were a history teacher? <coughs> all of a sudden, you're like, "Yo, these stoner kids need to get an A." Why did they bring all these people to their to their presentation? Right. You know yeah. it's such an odd thing yeah. like to be like oh this like because if you don't know that they're time travelers you'd be like why did they hire this socrates cosplayer or yeah, sure. you know <laughs> socrates yeah. right like that's super weird yeah. now am i am i perhaps adding too much complication to this of course i am and when when we when we start talking about bill and ted face the music I think a lot of me facing the music was I projected expectations onto that movie that maybe were unfair of me to put on them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah, I just feel like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, the first one, is just like a cute, cute, very simple time travel movie. And that's it. There's Mm -hmm. not, it's not, it's just like It's just like, whatever. It was probably trying to bank off of Back to the Future. Right? Probably? Of course. Absolutely.
1: Because by that point, I think um, the third Back to the Future was on the horizon, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Hold on, keep talking. Well, well, I I can talk while I And
0: And, you know, the... But I do love the excellent Bernie Casey as their teacher, and whenever he, whenever Bernie Casey Rest in Peace shows up in movies, you just oh know God. you're in for a little treat. Because he's always,
1: <clears throat> I mean, Bill and Ted is a perfect example. But it's like that. I'm going to get you, sucker! Uh, Revenge of the Nerds. He's always he's like he doesn't get enough love for being like the perfect straight man in a in like yeah. the comedic scenario because he has this like stone face that like his expressions he never really changes and it, it just it's always perfect he has great chemistry with the comedic folks that, that he's usually around <coughs> excuse me
0: and also uh a professional football player yeah turned actor yeah and you know this movie ages well it's relatively non-offensive if you i mean obviously some of the if they tried to make this movie now, they'd be like, oh, Abraham Lincoln's problematic and this person's problematic and this person's Genghis problematic. Genghis Khan. I, Genghis Khan is probably... Gang, Genghis Khan is super problematic. <laughs> sure. So, damn, that's a good point. But it's... <clears throat> but it's... um, It's still, like, a good movie, whereas Revenge of the Nerds did not age well hell
1: no it,
0: I tried to rewatch it not only is it is there like um, trigger warning rape it's also just kind of very mean and simplistic and not what I remembered it to be sure same so I say don't watch that movie. Yeah. Don't watch Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah. And so then Bill and Ted Excellent Adventure is a very <laughs> popular movie and then they make a sequel where they are like, Ah, oh, fuck it, let's go super crazy. Yes. Which which is Bill and Ted's bogus journey. Yes. Where they where it's not enough. Like, you think time travel is a lot. They're like, Oh, in this movie they they get killed by evil robot versions of themselves and then they have to escape hell and then they go to heaven where they meet some weird like martian dudes to get out of heaven and they and then they have uh what's his name death played by William Sadler yeah who played Sloane in Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you're a Deep Space Nine fan, you know how awesome that character is. And also how awesome his portrayal of death is. I think I think he's, he steals the show. Of course in, he does. A nice, Bogus, you know... In Bogus Journey. And,
1: and, and Ingmar Bergman reference for those two or three people that don't know.
0: Yeah. yeah. Or, yeah. Because, obviously, in... Ingmar Bergman's movie which for some reason I'm drawing a blank on. Please don't get mad at me film Twitter. Wait, what? What The movie. Oh, the, seven, Ingmar Bergman oh, the movie. Seventh Seal. The Seventh Seal. Yeah. And, you know, this guy plays chess with Death. And then in Bogus Journey... They play the, Twister. They play all these games and Death is comically bad at every game <clears> and is a sore loser. And yeah. then what i really liked about the first two bill and ted movies is that these guys are set to be the musicians that save the world that a song is going to change the world for the best and they're they're not good musicians (laughs) right they're they're in a band but they don't know how to use their instruments yep which i think is is hilarious Hmm. And you were, you were touching on this a little bit last week that Bill and Ted's bogus journey, I think, went to the extreme of strangeness, perhaps in the hopes of destroying it as, you know, a franchise. Yes. But accidentally made a finer movie. But I just want to pinpoint something and then I'm going to send it back over your way. Sure. Have you seen the, have you seen the French film MILF? that was just released on Netflix? No. So, it's a bad name. The name is, is not, it does it a disservice. So, it's a French comedy film by Axel Lafont, mm-hmm. who also stars, and it's about three women who are in at the age where they would be called that term and They go to they go to a lake house for for a vacation to sort out some stuff and it's basically like imagine if one of those movies that we were talking about like Revenge of the Nerds or Meatballs or Caddyshack was made from the point of view of the women characters Oh, wow. With a French slapstick sort of lens. Oh, say no more. That's all I need to know. Yeah, it's a great movie. And th- I think the only disservice it did was was the name. Because I always thought that those movies, you know, were not always kind to the women characters. Oh, no. And, And while these women... Who are mothers are very attractive and in shape, they're still multi dimensional, interesting people. And I'm not saying that attractive people can't be multi dimensional. I'm just saying that even though this movie is giving a point of view, it's. Uh, whatever. It's a good movie. Sasuke and I really liked it.
1: I don't know, it and, sounds like from your description that <clears throat> there's like a deeper meaning to that title being like it almost makes yeah. sense. I don't know. I, I I I I definitely want to watch this now, so
0: I think it's it's accidentally postmodern, but I still think it's really cool to just take a look at this genre from a different lens and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyways, we we're saying how Bill and Ted's bogus huh. journey went wild, um, and but upon revisiting it, it's a delightful film. What say you?
1: Yeah, Bill and Ted. Too, yeah, well, that that not to <clears throat> repeat what you said, but yeah, they kind of they 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 went the Gremlins two route and just assumed like this this is the last draw. Let, let's just go crazy with this one. But what they didn't realize is, like, yeah, they ended up making, like, a cult film. I mean, generally speaking, like, the the hardcore fans of this franchise, Bill & Ted 2, is, like, considered, like, quietly, like, the best one. Or, like, at this point, the most re- referenced one. Just to the fact, I mean, and this transitions to the third one, the fact that, like, you know, when, just years ago when there were rumors of <clears throat> a Bill & Ted 3 there's this, like, online petition that, like, you know, Bill Sadler better be in this movie. Which is, like, the an immediate callback to the... Se- like, it, like that right there just shows how much the second one, like, meant to so many people. Um, yeah. And his presence in Bill and Ted 3 is, just, is more of a commentary on the second one rather than the first one. Although, obviously, it all kicked off from, you know, Excellent Adventure. But Vogue's Journey is kind of that, like... It's, it's such a head-scratcher of a movie. It's just like, what is this? And then and it is in the case with a lot of movies that make you go, wait, what is this? It it did. It became this like great cult movie.
0: Right. And I think it's also shows you that, you know, you can't astroturf a cult movie no matter how much people try. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is something that has been a constant thread in our podcast when a movie comes out that's that people are calling a cult film before it even comes out. That's not yeah. how cult films work. Not at all. Cult. Nope. F- it has to happen naturally. That was something, when we go into the other movie that we're going to talk about later, You Cannot Kill David Arquette, I was explaining to Saskia as we were watching it that one thing about wrestling is that the fans dictate a lot. You, If you try to make a character pop and the, the fans aren't into it. It just won't happen. Nope. You, it just needs to happen naturally. And that's the same thing with cult movies. And a lot of cult movies are hitting this precipice where they're almost really bad, but there's something about it that also makes it really enjoyable. Definitely. Because if, if you were to say, all right, we're going to change all the rules of the Bill and Ted universe. So God exists, there's a heaven and hell, there's gonna be this evil time traveler who's gonna send robot clones of Bill and Ted to kill Bill and Ted. Bill and Ted go to hell, where they have to play a bunch of games with death to get out of hell. Then they go to heaven, where they ask God for help, and they get help in the form of Station, who's a, who's a, who's a critter, who will later go on to also be God, I think, in a South Park episode, if I remember correctly. I know that there was a callback. And then they start a band with Death and Station and their wives, who are princesses from England from the past, and you're made to think at the end of Bogus Journey that they finally perform this song that saves the world also they create robot versions of themselves as well who fight the other robot versions of themselves yeah Would you? is that a pretty accurate description of bill and ted's bogus journey
1: yeah and it's also just an accurate accurate description of just the whole misspeaker on that movie it's like what's going on again like going back to what i was saying before like it's intentionally convoluted in a funny way you know
0: yeah, it gets it gets so weird, and you're just like, "What yeah. is happening yeah. here?" And it just has all the ingredients that still just make it good. And I think one thing that really works in the favors of Bill and Ted is that Bill and Ted are nice people. Oh, so I incredibly think that,
1: nice! G- yeah, g- genuinely nice.
0: Right. So, I think that goes a long way for the franchise is that they're nice so that keeps people a little bit interested and there's also this gag in the bill and ted movies where there's this young lady they went to high school with that marries both of their dads and then eventually one of the brothers Uh, that shtick is weird to me but you know do you have anything to say about Bill and Ted's bogus journey before we go get on to Face the Music?
1: Uh, it, it's a great movie, and it's my favorite still. Uh, after seeing the most recent one, it's still my favorite of the trilogy.
0: I think it's, I think it's my favorite as well. Mm-hmm. Though I will say, Bill and Ted Face the Music was was fun and was a good distraction... From things I was going through and dealing with.
1: Yeah. But oh yeah, sure.
0: Yeah, so to give y'all a little, I don't know if there's going to be spoilers for Bill and Ted Face the Music. I would just say you should see the movie. It's fun. It's good escapism. But the basic premise is Bill and Ted are now much older, and they haven't written the song that changes the world. They're failures. And they keep on making music, and they're trying very hard. And now they're actually good at music, but they can't get it going. They have their daughters have become like brilliant, very supportive music nerds. And speaking of music nerds, there's a new documentary on. Well, it's not a new documentary, but there's a documentary on Prime about the the cult record store in the village, Other Music. I haven't seen it oh yet. Oh my god, you're two. right. <clears throat>
1: yeah, yeah. Oh man. Thank you for that reminder. So
0: Other Music was a record store in in the village Soho area of New York City that was an eclectic was an eclectic, much loved record store. And you know, it's not the greatest record store of all time, though, you know, they would definitely try to say that, but New York City had some incredible record stores back when record stores were a thing yeah. that rivaled only San Francisco, mm-hmm. and, but San Francisco still has Amoeba, so I guess they won.
1: Is, is Rasputin but still alive, Still around or no?
0: I don't know. Oh. I honestly don't know. That place but cool. But... I think both of those places, San Francisco and New York City, had some of the greatest record stores of all time. Obviously, I'm biased. I'm sure there's record stores in places I've never been to that were also amazing. I remember randomly visiting a friend in Gainesville, Florida, when I was a kid, and there was this incredible record store there because they had bootlegs, which were very popular. And then, you know, if you... If you follow the Grateful Dead or jam band culture, you know that there's a whole other world of live recordings and studio outtakes and other music, haha, that isn't part of the canon of recorded material of artists. Yeah. And there was, there were record stores that would sell what they call bootlegs, which were unreleased albums or live stuff or foreign versions of albums which sometimes had different track lists and different songs. So record stores that had those were very popular. They were always really expensive. You're like, why is this Sid Barrett album that I never heard about 45 bucks? Hmm, yeah. Or God forbid if you are a Captain Beefheart fan, half of his good music is unofficial.
1: Right. Hmm.
0: So record stores in the city or wherever you went, there were many different record stores to go. Other music was very good for a lot of reasons because they had so many different types of music.
1: Yep. God, I love that
0: place. Yeah, but they also had some of the snobbiest people who worked there. Really? And I think... Yeah. I never encountered
1: that. See, that was always the Kims. Kims was, well... The downtown Kims was always known for that, but I didn't, I never, I, other, wow, oh, I mean I was going, so, well, in all fairness, you've been probably going to other music years and years before me, you've got more history with them, I, you know what I'm saying, you've lived in New York your whole life, I haven't, so, fair I
0: enough. mean, I, I discovered other music when I was like 17. Yeah,
1: so, no, yeah, I've been, I've, I think I went to other music, when I first moved, to, so, I don't know, when I was 23, so.
0: So that was that was one of my stores for if I was trying to dis, if I was trying to understand music that wasn't rap or electronic that was a good place to start and then there were other stores for niche markets mm-hmm. and that was the nice thing about the Village uh, Greenwich Village in Manhattan yeah. was that there were record stores for each genre you liked and yep. that was. Really exciting. And so, yeah, so guys, there's a... So, guys, y'all, y'all, there's a documentary about other music that just came out. And Bill and Ted's daughters in Bill and Ted Face the Music probably have seen this documentary because they are really brilliant music fans. And what I like about this movie is that they're incredibly supportive of their parents. They've accepted that their moms are princesses and their dads are time travelers and they're always like, they're very supportive of them becoming, making the music. And they're like, have you written this, have you written the song yet, dads, you know? Right. Yeah. And, and I thought that was cool. And of course, the internet got upset that they, Bill and Ted had daughters instead of sons because in Bill and Ted's bogus journey their kids are called little bill and little ted Mm -hmm. but as many people pointed out those don't have to be gender specific names right and and also like come on like like why why is everything like such a big deal
1: well now more than ever i i until this thing is over i'm just gonna say that i mean prior to covid there was everything was a big deal but now more than ever I just think folks need something to complain about. Just it is what it is, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, but just how like we were talking about with like other music, this whole like we need to be kinder and you know, this speaks to Bill and Ted. Mm-hmm. Excellent, I was just
1: I was just gonna s <laughs> I was just gonna say, yeah.
0: Yeah, I should have let you have that, I'm sorry. No, okay. I don't even care, whatever. Joking. But you know, people are like, why? why do the characters have to be women? That's so PC. And I think the director said that it just made it... By having the characters be daughters instead of sons, it was it didn't feel like a remake of the first movie. Mm-hmm. Because what happens is, yeah, they're, Bill and Ted haven't made the song. And basically people realize that if they don't make the song by a certain time, the entire universe, multiverse, time and space is going to be destroyed. And that's the crux of this movie, that they have to travel through time and space to figure out what they need to do to save the universe. And at first they try to travel in the future, to like find out from their future selves what the song is and that's that was a really interesting thing because we're introduced to not nice versions of bill and ted right and um yeah what 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 was your take on bill and ted's face the music
1: i mean i guess i should have known uh before watching that a lot of uh, you know it's obvious a lot of this is just all about nostalgia and 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 whatnot um but i do think at the end of the day this movie and it's fine but this movie is like kind of cute at best like i definitely built it up to be something more than it, it ended up not being and that's fine but I do think that it just, there's a lot going on right now. It's just like there's the nostalgia machine that this movie plays into. There's the Keanu Reeves fetishism that's not. Oh, it's we're recording on. It's his birthday today, by the way. Um, then there's also us being our age and actually, and folks who are slightly older, th- like thinking like, do people outside of our age group even care about a Bill and Ted three? Because it's you know it's like 30 years later. But yeah. I will say they handled, they, you know, they handled the 30 years later well. Um, even better than something like, there's. It, it, this movie made me think about uh, Clerks 2 in that I remember when I first saw Clerks 2, I really liked it. And then uh, Doug, of high Doug fame, um, kind of like made me not like it. He just broke it down. He was just like, it's 12, 13 years later and these guys are still in the same position. And I just remember being like, damn, that is true. There's nothing wrong with that, because that happens in life. But I just remember being like, oh, damn, yeah, maybe he could have done it better. Or just not have made a Clerks 2. Um, well, see,
0: that, that's what I like about Clerks 2, is that they they failed. And what I don't like about Clerks 2, because I recently rewatched that. I, I re-watched every single Kevin Smith movie recently, because for some reason... I find his movies to be comforting when I when nostalgia is kicking me in the ass and you know I can't sure. always just light a candle and walk across a pool for 9 minutes to yeah. deal with nostalgia <laughs> so film nerd stuff so I rewatched a bunch of his movies and the if you haven't seen Clerks 2 spoiler alert the the whole donkey show thing was really unnecessary
1: yeah he he brought and that to my attention to kind of oh that was kind it's of It's like
0: so unnecessary yeah and sort of but also sort of intrinsically what i also find at at fault with kevin smith sometimes is that his childishness sometimes just really gets in the way of his own vibe Agreed,
1: like that's how I feel sometimes About like the jokes and, Or one-liners in like the Deadpool movies, like I like Deadpool I like Deadpool too a lot, but the whole mm-hmm. Like, you know you, Your face, it looks like A rhinoceros' testicle Who's HIV positive, and he just got Squashed by a baby's Dead head, like that, it's like okay, alright You know, it, it's not even like a prudish thing It's not like, oh I can't take it, it's just like It's just super juvenile to the point Where it's like not funny
0: no, you and I like some of the most grotesque movies of all time right. that deal with incredibly complicated, often disgusting visualizations, yeah, so it's not about that um, but at all right that's the, i don't I don't think that's what you're saying no, yeah, I think what you're saying is like it gets in the way um there's this really great podcast i enjoy called her head in films where it, the narrator she just watches movies and talks about them and it as far as i can tell i haven't listened to an episode where she's interviewed anybody it's, it's just her mm-hmm. and i i recently re-listened to her episode about the piano teacher and i forgot how intense that movie is
1: Oh my God! Well, that's one of my all-time favorite fav- fav- favorite movies. That that's it's and it's a movie I've watched so many times that I sometimes stop and go like God, I've watched this movie a lot. What is wrong with me? I know that but sounds yeah. like it's such a hacky thing to say, but it's like, what the hell?
0: Yeah. So if if you want to, if this is uh, her head in films is one of my favorite movie podcasts. It because it's just the host has a very singular thoughtful voice and is very open and I don't listen to every single episode but the episodes I've listened to have been really insightful and profound uh, she has an episode about Wendy and Lucy that I thought was really excellent oh, and cool. I have I have queued up an ep- her episode about vagabond which is just a movie that that haunts me all the time yeah and but yeah I was listening to her episode about the piano teacher and I'm like oh right the movie is like completely grotesque in some ways and obscene and like very upsetting hmm and you know I don't know how often people talk about clerks two and the piano teacher in the same sentence but this is you know this is what we do son this is what zebras is about i hmm. feel like he lets his kevin smith at least certainly in clerks 2 the the need to do something extra gets in the way of an otherwise kind of touching story perfectly because, said because yeah right cuz like the beginning of clerks 2 is like oh okay you see what's going on Everyone's sort of a failure, and then the end of the movie is really beautiful. And yes, they that they need to get arrested to have that conversation, but perhaps they didn't have to get arrested in that way. Yeah. And this is, I know, like Kevin Smith. I do really like a lot of your films. If you're listening, come on the show sometime. I'm just getting ready my, to say, yeah,
1: you have an open invite.
0: You have an open invite. My my. We know you're listening. My criticism is out of love because your movies have done so much for me, even if sometimes I don't like all of them.
1: He, and you know, I I don't mean to cut you off, but you saying that also, it's just like, I feel like he would make a great guest on the show because of that. Because Kevin Smith is someone I've always been, Kevin Smith, his trend, like his, his, his trajectory of just like, at first when he, he was one of those like, you know, early internet guys and he would like Mm -hmm. respond to people personally, even in his movies, he would address people and at first, because we're going, you know, over 20 years ago, people thought it was funny. But then it be- it was like people got annoyed and it was almost like he was a parody. It's just like, oh, Kevin Smith is, oh, he's salty about what some Internet person says. Like the whole joke was like, Kevin Smith loves to profess how much he doesn't care what people think about his movies. But he right. writes these like five page things on it, you know. But, but I've always been like, you know what? The, the few and far between times that someone was nicely critical of Kevin Smith's stuff. He was nice back. A lot of... It's just like, oh, Kevin Smith, you fessor, like, your movies suck or you're a hack. Like, you you don't deserve the right to have someone like Kevin Smith be like, well, why do you think that? No. The response was like, hey, fuck you, eat a dick. Like, I've always been right. on his side about that. But but I think some people don't of, see that. They're always right. just like, why is it... It's like, why is Kevin Smith such a dick? It's like, well, wait a minute. Th- 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 there's an order of things. Did you see what he's responding right. to? There's an,
0: there's an order of operations yes. and that's like the funny thing about. The Jay and Silent Bob strike back, yeah is the one of them one of the through lines of the movie is that they want money so they can beat up people who are mean to them on the internet yeah, <laughs> yeah. they're they're looking for magnolia fan s- something yeah. who who says mean stuff about them on the internet, yeah. so. Kevin Smith is very aware that people say mean stuff about him on the internet and he's both open about it and seemingly uncomfortable about it and I get it because whenever obviously I'm nowhere near as as successful as Kevin Smith but the couple times people have said mean things about me on the internet it like ruined my day so I get it and that's the thing so, yeah, I know we're talking about the Bill and Ted series, but to just clerks to there's there's a very childish scene that I think gets in the way of an otherwise beautiful story. And I think the the sidekick character was a little was a little much.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I agree. But you know what movie is actually quite good and does not deserve the, the vitriol it got? What's that? Jersey Girl
1: it it in in terms of like in its meaning and execution sure like yeah I I can't the older I get it's like I can't hit like I don't necessarily like that movie but I like that it exists and, and it's it, you know what it's not for me
0: it, but like, I appreciate it's no, that I I like that Kevin like,
1: Smith made it I, I I do I guess like that's kind of the best that I can go with with, with as best I can do.
0: It's no cinema paradiso, right? But it it's a really kind, soft, gentle film yeah. about a heavy topic and was torn to shreds before people saw it. Yeah. And I just think that deciding a movie sucks because of someone's personal life is a murky thing to do cuz I understand how like I can see how that could be in some ways really important for people like if someone's personal life is very problematic i think that's a conversation that we're all having right now Mm -hmm. with with you know artists who have been canceled or artists who were finding out things about them that are really difficult it's like what do we do with this but Jersey Girl is a movie by Kevin Smith starring Liv Tyler, Ben Affleck, George Carlin, Jennifer Lopez, and uh, the guy from the American Pie movies. Jason Biggs. Yeah. And Jason Biggs, yeah. And the movie, because at the time Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez were dating, they deci- and the movie Geely had come out, which yeah. was also famously eviscerated. It was people just decided this movie sucked. That's true. And fair enough. And That's did, really true. And and I don't think he even saw it. Which yeah. also reminds me, you remember yeah. when Jason Biggs was in a Woody Allen movie where where he was trying to date Christina Ricci? Yeah. Oh,
1: what was the name of that? Hold on. Yeah, I do.
0: Like there was a time where, where Woody Allen was trying to find someone to play his roles anything else he could no longer play anything else anything else and and he tried that with Jason Biggs
1: I almost want to say outside of Orange is the New Black it's like remember Jason Biggs I don't mean to be mean but it's just like he was like he had a he had a hell of a run he's still around doing stuff I'm just saying he was like the man for a second saving stuff
0: yo you were the you were the man in Phantoms dog (laughs) which which is i i'm really loving this thread that we're going on right now yeah right um this is this is pure zebras and yeah so something anything else something else that's what it's called anything else yeah yeah uh i couldn't tell you much about the movie other than i saw it so that tells you that much
1: yeah i haven't seen so it so
0: because of because of so back to Jersey Girl, and then I promise we'll get to back to Bill and Ted, and then I promise we'll get to You Cannot Kill David Arquette, I hope. And if we can't, there's always more episodes. In Jersey Girl, because of because of the, the romance that happened outside of the movie, people didn't give the movie a chance. But the movie is just really like a very sweet tale about a man and his daughter... After their the, her his wife passes away, yeah. and unlike Bill and Ted face the music, facing the expectate like expectations versus reality, and what that means, yeah. and it's a really sweet movie. And I'm not saying it's the best movie ever made. I'm saying that it was it was reviewed like it was a one star movie. And it's hardly a one-star movie. Agreed. And it's a movie that has video stores in it, and when I'm, when I just like seeing video rental stores because it makes me. I happy. do too, very much so. Which also reminds me that I also recently rewatched Be Kind Rewind, and that movie is a slam dunk. I don't care. Hello? Yeah.
1: Okay. Oh, I was like, no, it's like, it, there's awkward part. Yeah, just...
0: Yeah. yeah, so... Anyways, Bill and Ted face the music was fun. But I, I think I, as you said before, I think I was expecting a more complex narrative. So... There's a there's a scene where they go to couples counseling and I was like, Oh, this is cool, where is this gonna go? And it doesn't go much. Right. Um But you know what I really liked? What's that? The the awkward robot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's this there's this awkward robot in the movie who's sent back to kill Bill and Ted and he's like, uh hi, um uh, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and that was really cute. Yeah. Um, do you have any closing thoughts about uh, Bill and Ted's? No, I mean I, music?
1: I've said already. What I, you know, I've said it. it's like I, there's nothing bad about it. But my best thing, it's like it's 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 cute. You know, I've seen it. I I know. I, I you know maybe I'll revisit it, but it, it's one of those things that I don't see myself really wanting to watch it again. I don't mean that in a bad way, mm. but it's just kind of like. I built it up and it was kind of like, oh, oh, all right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I did, I did that to myself. I still think it's a lot of fun. I just think I was expecting things that I had created. And, and as the movie is about managing expectations, I think sometimes we need to manage our expectations. Mm -hmm. And also, I don't. Remember what I was about to say, which is okay. Do 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 do. But, uh, so like two weeks ago, last week, I told you about a movie that just showed up in my algorithm. Called You Can't Kill David Arquette, and we talked about. The preamble of this movie a little bit last week Directed by Price, James, and David Darg And Basically If you didn't listen to last week's episode David Arquette For For like a To to sort of get publicity for a movie He Became the WCW wrestling Champion And there's an unwritten rule that celebrities and non-wrestlers are allowed to come into wrestling. However, you don't win the belt. Yep. The belt is yeah. sacred. And, and he did that. And it's not his fault. And that's something that we talked about last week. But he, he really was uncomfortable and sad about his relationship to wrestling. Because he loved wrestling. And he's one of the most hated people in yeah. wrestling. So, this movie is about him getting back into yeah. wrestling and his transformation. And I really liked it, Marcus.
1: Yeah, I like this movie a lot. It, it's it's definitely... So, I, I remember when you sent the... Like, the whole tagline, it's like, Sunset Boulevard meets the wrestler. But to me, it's more like... Um, Ready to Rumble meets The Wrestler, if anything, which is kind of like meta in itself, because David Arquette's the right, co-star of Ready to Rumble, and and this whole thing right, popped off because, Rumble, of, because of that movie.
0: Right. Ready to Rumble was the movie starring Scott Kahn and David Arquette, where, to, to, where about yeah. wrestling. It's a forgettable movie, I think, but...
1: Uh, uh, to most people, I actually really like that movie. I mean, it's dumb, but I also really like it.
0: Yeah, but basketball is dumb and it's That's awesome. True also. That's very true. But yeah, so so David Arquette, his career starts to flounder. He He was married to Courtney Cox. He's no longer married to Courtney Cox. And he decides to get back into wrestling. And the movie really starts when he actually starts getting back into yeah. wrestling. Which take, so the movie's like an hour and a half and the first half an hour was like okay, but once he decides to, to start wrestling again it really picked sure. up for me
1: and I like, you know, there, there's a <clears throat> there's a fine line between like there's like a sad, almost pathetic aspect to someone being like, hey I'm sorry please accept my apology, accept me but this is like the more positive end to it where it's just like the, the whole, the whole like, thing about this movie is, it's, like you said, this guy, he really liked wrestling. He got put in an awkward position, and then he became this hated person in the industry that he loved. And it's just like, hey, I respect you guys. Let me kind of make up for this, you know? Mm-hmm. And there's so many, like, side stuff, too. Like, I, I love the fact that Diamond Dallas Page, featured heavily in this, is, like, he's kind of the unofficial go-to guy to, like... He's, like, the... the 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 helping wrestler. He helps people lose weight. He helps like old wrestlers. You know, he helps with the rehabilitation. I mean, again, this movie actually makes for a nice uh, double feature with the Resurrection of Jake the Snake, which DDP is also featured, you know, he- he- heavily in. But in this movie, he kind of is like he mentors, you know, uh, da- da- David Arquette, and you know, Diamond Dallas Page was also one of the stars of Ready to Rumble. So they have that. They have this like. 20-plus year history as well. Um, so there's that yeah. whole thing. And I also love that, you know, one of the wrestlers that Dave Raquette fights that, that's documented, it, it's Ken Anderson, who I'm, I'm not trying to get too ner- nerdy here, but Ken Anderson was supposed to be, like, the guy in, in, in the early, mid-2000s in WWE, but he kind of rubbed some people the wrong way, and he didn't get along with other big people, like Randy Orton and John Cena didn't like Ken Anderson, and then his he was kind of buried but for a minute, Ken Anderson—if he was—he he still wrestles, obviously, but he was—he he was supposed to be one of the guys, like one of the top people, and it didn't work out. So he has his own kind of story there, like being buried by Vince McMahon, John Cena, Randy Orton, et cetera, et cetera. So so there's a, there's a lot going on here.
0: Right, and there were there were a couple times where I had to pause to explain to Saskia some some right. things, but. But aside from that, it did a really good job of of not needing you to need to do that. Mm-hmm. But sure. Sure. sometimes sometimes it's important to provide context. Because yeah. like, she was like, who is this Diamond Dallas Page guy? And so I was like, well, he's a very well-respected wrestler. And not only is he a really good wrestler, he is a legitimately good person i explained to her how he like helps people on weight loss journeys and how yeah the resurrection of jake the snake which we've talked about on the show before it's a very good movie and he's he's helped wrestlers rehabilitate themselves oh, another th-
1: back to yeah, back to back i have to another thing about diamond Dallas page this this isn't like this is kind of well known some people know some people don't but for the early part, the beginning of Diamond Dallas Page's career, he was just a manager. He wasn't like, he was always like a tall person, but he wasn't like as bulked as he was when he was wrestling. And he he's another one, similar to David Arquette, where Diamond Dallas Page just loved the wrestling business so much, he wanted to be in it. And, and so respectfully, he was a manager. He managed Scott Hall. He managed Kevin Nash, like all these guys back in the day. And then he wanted to start wrestling, and he was in his 30s he was like in his early 30s to start like really wrestling and rick flair told him you'll never make it and not not in a motivated kind, not one of those like i knew you'd do it like rick flair was just like don't do this rick flair is like he's a mount mm-hmm. rushmore guy and then that really bothered diamond Dallas page he was gonna quit and it was jake the snake that happened to see he was just like why do you look so down and diamond Dallas page was like i wanted to wrestle. But Ric Flair said I would never make it, and Jake The Snake Roberts, who famously does not like Ric Flair in real life, Jake The Snake was like, "Wait, Ric Flair said that? All right, I'll I'll I'll, I'll train you," and that was the motivation.
0: He's like, "Hold, hold my no, beer." No,
1: literally, and then, oh, and then he's another one like he's there's always there's like a Daniel Bryan, Shawn Michaels, CM Punk kind of guy who are just like you're too small, you never make it. Diamond Dallas Page was on the other opposite end of the spectrum where he kind of had size to him, but people were just like, "You're too old. No one starts wrestling at at this age. You'll never make it." And then he became WCW World Champion. You know what I'm saying? And he had a pretty decent run in WWF as well. In like a, he had a cool feud with the Undertaker, but he almost paralyzed himself, and you know, and that's kind of what spawned yeah. the DDP yoga. But anyway, yeah.
0: And he also. Was one of the best playable characters in WCW versus NWO oh right. on the N64 because he had a, a variety of special moves that were really yes. great. Yeah, he did. And I was explaining to Sasuke DDP yoga, which is like power, a type of power yoga, and it was before I found jujitsu. It was it was something that I was considering doing because there's been so many successes with people who wanted to get healthy through D D P yoga. But I found jujitsu, but I haven't been able to do jujitsu for six months. And if you're wondering how does that feel, it sucks to not do the things you like to do. But it is what it is. You know the the needs my needs for things that are enjoyable do not eclipse the health of the people I love. Which is... Isn't that such a crazy thing, Marcus? (laughs) God forbid we be a little bit uncomfortable to save lives. (laughs) Jeez Louise. People want to go to Applebee's. Yeah, and it's also like... I'm not hating on Applebee's as like... If you like Applebee's, you know? But what i I'm not nearly as worried about Applebee's as I am about the corner restaurants that thank you that probably will not survive yeah. Yeah. this
1: man, you know and y- yeah, it's funny you say that because just the other I was having a, a, a conversation with a few people about how recently there's been this like nostalgia for blockbuster, and it's just kind of like, look Blockbu- does anyone has blockbuster. Has We have lot lots of memories with that place. But at the same time, let's just be real. When Blockbuster came to town, the mom and pop video stores died. So it's kind of like, I understand like, oh yeah, sure. It sucks Blockbuster is gone because there's some cool nostalgic memories. But they were also a corporation and they put like folks out of business. So it's like, I don't, let's not start feeling sorry for the, for the chain. I, I don't,
0: I don't feel, so- you know? I, I feel sorry that when people lose their jobs they feel sorry yeah. that for things like that but at the same time yeah I miss what I miss were my corner video shops I miss mr. video I miss their, I miss CBS I miss you know videorama those I miss those places or when you could rent stuff from Kim's was awesome because they had movies that no one else had so, be careful what you're nostalgic for, because mm-hmm. yeah, would I love some Wingstop right now? Sure, but I'm really just I. There's a lot of things that I like, but I just I just don't do it. So I'm sure Wingstop is doing fine. Right I was just now. gonna
1: That's, say yeah, I feel like they're they're doing
0: all right. Any any place that is conducive to to takeout is probably doing better than places that made their bread and butter on sitting mm-hmm. in. Like, Chinese food restaurants are doing quite good right now.
1: Yeah. yeah, they are.
0: And I'm living in Maryland now. I think I've revealed oh, that, right? A few right? times, yeah. That mm-hmm. I moved? Okay. So, Baltimore, because of its proximity to Washington, D.C., has access to mumbo sauce, which is... Just the just this wonderful condiment that you just oh have to shit try yeah to I went
1: to so where you are I was like kind of on the opposite end of of that DMV area where I, I went to college in Virginia but I spent so much time yeah. in Northern Virginia which sometimes just people just call it DC even though it's not um, mm-hmm. so yeah wow mumbo oh yeah holy shit
0: yeah mumbo sauce wow. man and which is just this condiment that's somewhere between ketchup and barbecue sauce. Yeah. It's it's tangy, it's delicious, yeah. and every every Chinese takeout place in DC has their own version of it, and it's it's one of those things that people are very very particular about, and it's also sort of a, a litmus test for what sort of like if someone says they're from DC, what sort of D.C. experience they have. Mm-hmm. Because there are people that have lived in D.C. that don't know what Mumbo Sauce is, or they don't know what Go-Go music is. And there's also a Go-Go band called Mumbo Sauce.
1: Oh, I didn't know or that. Or is
0: it a song? I don't know. Um, and so if you don't know what Go-Go music is and you don't know what Mumbo Sauce is, then you're probably more part of like the more well-to-do spectrum of... DC, because mm-hmm. DC, while a small place, is very important for a lot of different pop culture intersections, yeah. Like, East Coast hardcore, obviously because of Ian Mackay and Henry Rollins, to name a few, and Mumbo Sauce and go-go music and, oh, go-go music is awesome. Yeah. By the way. And, um. The show... You remember The Wire? There's a couple actors in The Wire that were known for being staples of the go-go scene. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, but I don't remember... You know, my I've been dealing with some personal stuff. I'm okay. I don't feel like getting into it. So my my ability to remember specific names right now is a little well, hazy. hazy. So but yeah having access to mumbo sauce has been really awesome and yeah so again so david arquette the first half an hour of the movie is sort of like about his life how he was he was on the cover of one of these magazines with all these actors and like all the actors aside from him and steven dorf all went on to be gigantic yeah. And then there's him and Stephen Dorff. I mean, we're talking Matthew McConaughey, Leonardo DiCaprio, Will Smith, like huge giants of, mm-hmm. of actors. And then David Arquette and Steve Dorff. Yeah. No hate to either yeah. of them. But so, so like, and he's part of the Arquette family, which is like a famous acting lineage. And, you know, you can, you can look at the, the comparisons of acting and wrestling that, that there's lineages. Yeah and also boxing like absolutely or really the world people you know like cops or firefighters or you know like you know people tend to often do the things that their family does yeah right yeah that's a good point they also it, but oh, the movie sorry the movie really gets into its groove when he starts wrestling he he goes to a backyard wrestling yeah. thing and gets the shit beaten out of him. Yeah. And and then he's like, alright, well if I'm going to do this, I have to get good. And then he goes to Mexico and I think that's when the movie gets really mm-hmm. good. When he starts taking it seriously, we start taking the good movie point. seriously. There's There's a scene... Where he's hanging out with some luchadors on the streets of Mexico. Which I think is sort of a scene that takes you into the the nice part of the movie. And also, like, Luke Perry's in the movie yeah. for a little bit?
1: Well, I mean, his son's... Are, his, uh, rest, rest in peace, his son is Jungle Boy, who wrestles for AEW.
0: Yeah, and and there's... There's a sweet thing in the movie that I'm not going to give away, but that's there. And then Luke Perry and David Arquette were really close. And yeah, David Arquette like, starts the movie like not in very good shape, smoking cigarettes, yeah. just has a heart attack, had had a heart attack, and then he gets brolic and gets like good at wrestling. Lip- and it makes sense that just how wrestlers that learn how to act make great action stars actors that learn how to wrestle would make good wrestling mm-hmm. stars cuz they have one of the one of the sub requisites for what makes a good Definitely. star I did we talk about this I know I know recently Kindergarten Cop got canceled but did you see my Spy with Batista? No,
1: I haven't seen that yet. <clears throat> I, I was Which just was talking like to someone his, about it the other his, day. I was like, "Oh, that's one of the few small handful
0: of Batista films I haven't seen yet." That's like his kindergarten top, sure. and it was delightful, man. I just I like Batista. Right. What can know. I say? Good to know. Um. Yeah. So, I I I really think you no. cannot kill. David Arquette is a fine fine wrestling movie and worthy of your time.
1: Absolutely. I'm still trying I'm fresh off of and seeing it, it so I'm just trying to be like, oh, just cuz it's like a wrestling movie, am I extra about it? And perhaps I am, but that's just, you know, it's 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 what I like. But regardless, this isn't a movie. It's so interesting because this isn't like a wrestling movie where it's like the rocks don't call Steve Austin. It's like like I was thinking for like Ken Anderson. Well it, well well Thumb page was popular for a while, but it's one of those things where it's kinda of slightly lesser known wrestlers, but you don't have to like be in the know. Like it's you can uh you know, it, it's it's still for everyone, I guess is what I'm trying to say.
0: Yeah, but that's also kind of what I like about of it. Of like, yeah, there is an interview there is an interview with Ric Flair. There is like there are the mainstream yeah, yeah. guys, but really what it's about is he's trying to get he's going about it the right way like the the wrestlers in it are mostly like like quote unquote like indie indie Mm -hmm. guys so it's like if someone was trying to trying to let's say this this same thing let's say the um jamie kennedy wanted to make up for malibu's most wanted right Mm -hmm. and he went he went to mc8 to learn about rap music you know yeah as opposed to joaquin phoenix who went to diddy right, right. like yeah, going yeah, yeah. to yeah so like if you it makes sense that you would go to more respected but less famous artists definitely to understand it because mm-hmm. and it's said in the movie but like like backyard wrestling fans and underground wrestling fans are if you get them to like you then you can get anyone to like you right and there's there's a scene in you cannot kill David Arquette which was very difficult for me and Sasuke to watch Um, that happens towards the end and I'm not going to say much about it Mm -hmm. but there's a part where you think he's going to give up and yeah he really should have right but yeah. but he doesn't and that and that and that's like you're like wow and then that was what made the fans be like wow that was enough yeah. cuz that was like baptism by fire yeah like as a wrestling fan what do you think about david arquette as a wrestler that's really what i should be asking you
1: uh i think i mean no matter what i mean he's still like he'll never be as good as that but for someone you, you got to respect him cuz he essentially went through what anyone like kind of an entry level like he took like an advanced program though like he was essentially be- even if though he was involved in wrestling 20 years ago he still was like he's still kind of a beginner and did the whole advanced thing so it's like you got to respect him and and People, and i don't even people who actually have done this for like damn near their whole life who've been in the business the majority of their life respect him so as long as they do you gotta you gotta respect him and i, I respect him and 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 it takes a talent right. just and- just in wrestling just to learn how to fall or to learn how to but then like if you watch this movie there's certain things he goes through that like you can't train your body to take this kind of you just gotta grit your teeth and at like and just do it you know what i'm saying so beyond the wrestling training he he kind of he gets my respect.
0: Right. Cause there's also like, he is also doing, he also does sometimes does like hardcore yes. wrestling. Yeah. And there's, there's stuff in that where it's just like, Oh, you're hurting yeah. yourself. There's there like there's stuff you can sell, right? Like you can sell getting hit by a chair and not actually get hit right. by a chair, but there's, but like you can't sell some of these hardcore things and I'm sure there's wrestlers that have opinions about about whether that's really wrestling or it's like just violence for the sake of violence like there's there's that there's that like thin line between like wrestling and juggalos that you have to be careful about um but yeah, it also makes me think of like how, yeah, when, when you realize how difficult it is to become a wrestler to have these sort of things just thrust upon you would make other people who have been working hard feel a certain type of way. Just how like when CM Punk made the transition to MMA and he was getting like good fights, yeah. people were pissed. Yeah. Even though like he's he's been doing jujitsu for a while, but he wasn't he didn't do he didn't do the Chitlin circuit. No, he he definitely didn't do did not. Yeah, right. You know? And and that's that's the thing that people need. People want you to do people want you to, to work it out. People want you to, to figure it out. Like you know, like a lot of people who fight boxing or MMA have fights that no one ever hurts, hears of. You have, like, su- like backyard tune-ups. But he just went straight to the mm-hmm. big leagues. And he failed. Miserably. Yeah. And I don't feel bad for him. I, I don't dislike him I'm no, anything. But... And
1: also, just, he... I know this doesn't mean everything to everyone, but he got some nice checks also. Like, he was fully compensated... And even though, and like people, yeah. similar to this David Arquette thing, there have been, among most MMA people, he's kind of considered a joke, and I get it. But there have been a few to come out, and also wrestlers who hated CM Punk uh, in real life. Just like, you know what, you still did something that I wouldn't have been able to do, so respect, you know?
0: Exactly. But, you know, I don't, I don't think he's going to be doing that anymore. No. I mean... I know Dana White was like no so he would have to go to one of the smaller promotions but anyways I feel like I feel like uh, we've we've done this movie justice and I I think we did the Bill and Ted I think we did the Bill and Ted trilogy justice um and I, I'm we have some excited exciting stuff in the pipeline. Hey, yo, I jumped from the eighth floor step, hit the ground, the pound fell, cops is coming, running
1: through the pissy stairwells. I ain't here, nothing, bugging. Only thing I remember was a bullshit summer, so I stopped at the second floor, ran across cracks, is falling. My pockets is mean, clean when I vanished off, took off, made track look easy to walk. He chalked the beast, he's had black day was ready to